0: Running Sentences presents Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure, Book 1, Part 2, Escaping Mayhem. Gordite and his crew try to extract themselves from what has turned into a very bad situation for them. This story is written and narrated by Michael Honorey. It is a work of fiction, so any names, characters, businesses, events, and situations within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real situations, events, characters, businesses, real or fictional, is purely coincidental. Copyright 2023, Michael Honoring. All rights reserved. corday floated back, keeping a careful eye on things as the passageway between the two pods is... He had pushed the two people, things, aliens, whatever they were, towards the grogging ship. He was keeping an eye on things as they was floating away from him. Nero and Tulis were blocking much of the view down this connector, which protected him, but it also didn't give him much of a view to see that what was going on beyond. What is going on? Ah, um, you lady, uh, you're going home to your government, I guess. It's what you probably wanted, I think. Yes, maybe. Bye! The door to the pod slammed shut when he hit the button to close it. The sooner he got out of here, the better for him and probably everyone else. The connector tunnel, though, still had a red light over it, which meant he couldn't release it yet. A nervous jitteriness went through him as he looked about the pod and towards the radar. Nothing appeared abnormal, but that meant nothing. Come on, it doesn't take that much long to do things, let's disconnect. There was a knock on the door, a thunk, thunk, thunk of a noise. The computer pad by the door had a camera, allowing him to see out. An image of a soldier-looking figure with a weapon appeared in it, which was not what he wanted at all. He was in the connector link to the two ships, and didn't seem to want to go away. So Cordite pressed the button that would allow him to talk outside of his ship. There is nothing to say to one another, and I don't know why you're here. Go back to your ship. There was another thunk thunk against the door. By orders of the Grogian Empire, you must open this door, or we will open fire on you. The threats make me not want to open the door, thank you very much. Surrender at once, pirate. Cordite shook his head as he looked carefully over his screen to try and see if... The two that they'd found in the escape pod were safely tucked away. They appeared to be stuck at the end of the corridor and left to be going no further. Oh well, he tried to help out, so he hit the button to disconnect from the tunnel. With a hiss, the corridor door slammed shut as his ship separated from the other vessel. In a flash, Cordite was over to his driver's seat and began manipulating the controls to get himself out of here. The sound of warming engines did not give him much hope, nor did the sudden sight of two small attack ships flying fast towards him. Flying concubine, this is your captain, proceed with all haste to a safe port really quickly. You might be in trouble. He could see the first missiles coming off of the wings of the attackers, streaking quite fast towards him. It could also be towards the other pod ship, but that seemed unlikely at the moment. Uh, With the engines half warmed up, he thrust his joystick forward as far as he could. All right, let's see how much I remember about flying these damn things in an evasive maneuver. The ship shuddered under the orders to move, engines flaring and whining at the suddenness. The pitch down did help, since it allowed the engines to clear the fuel pipes of built-up gunk that had slowed them down. Cordite tapped at his computer controls to get the ship to drop distraction charges and flares to confuse the missiles. Not that they ever worked on military-guided weapons, but he uh, had to do something. A few screens were blinking various warnings as the missiles continued to hone in on the ship. Only two. You insult me. Droggy Navy was thinking that's enough for a pirate like me. He duked the ship, spinning it so that it would spin on a pivot in a centralized circle. All well-headed for them. He learned years ago that such weapons did not respond well to oncoming threats. Now, if these were upgraded missiles in any way, shape, or form, that would be a lot more trouble, but at least it would make things interesting. Captain? Bit busy line, why aren't you out of here yet? The navy is moving towards us with great haste. Well, then get out of here without me. The missile was now within visual sight range, heading for the little vessel. There was so much going on and lots of warning screens blaring that Cordite was having trouble concentrating. I don't think we can, boss. Unable to deal with that right now, Cordite merely concentrated on sending out flares and flipped his ship to make a turn hard to port. If he could make the weapons burn their fuel, which they didn't have much of, thanks to space being so heavy, to get through, he'd be safe. Then they would just be dodging of the rest of the Navy's big guns and everything else that they had that they were going to throw at him in a moment's notice. Captain Corded, is it of the Flying Concubine? Thank you for admitting that you are a pirate, and one out of so many ports that the ship is basically a whore to all of them. The sudden interruption by the captain of the groggy Navy was not welcome. Cordite hit the brakes on his little pod and flipped a switch which activated two mirrors which snapped out to the sides of the vessel. The missiles which were locking onto him then found their sensors being scattered as the laser that had guided them bounced off these mirrors and into the oddness of space. The first one broke off in a hard turn, trying to follow its new path, but lost everything the moment the laser was now just pointed out into empty space, so it detonated. The other refused and kept tracking, screaming in closer and closer before detonating short of the pod. A splash of splinters and shrapnel showered the vessel, which blasted through it. A few singed parts were were warned about by the computer, but things seemed to be working, so Cordite pulled up the communicator screen before him. Captain Drought of the you Naval, this is not what we agreed upon. No, it isn't, but as a naval force for good, I can't let you pirates get away, so you must all die for the betterment of all aliens. You'd rather kill us than bring us in for prize money, then? I have no need for that such thing. I need no prize money. The communication line went dead, as missiles and shells came from just about every ship in front of him. He was about to push the controls towards them when a flash of a shadow appeared that overtook him. The flying concubine was overhead and moved past at a decent clip, its shield blaring and protecting him. When it passed by, he could see that the doorways to the bay at the back of the ship were open, which would allow him to get on if he was quick. You fuckers really think you can get out of here with me? Well, I guess it's worth a try, though I don't think we'll be able to jump. He jammed his controls forward, aiming for the bay, and closing in as fast as he could, the little engine whining as it tried its hardest. The Flying Concubine was only a medium-sized class ship, which made extra bays for little pod ships extremely tight to get into. Usually, it was a calm, easy guide in and let the ship's computer do the work. Here and now, though, it was fast and dirty. Their bay doors were near the engines and would make for a noisy entrance. His landing gears and reverse thrusters sprang to life as he came towards the now-closing hatchway doors. The pod dropped heavily onto the floor and screeched a few feet forward as the doors slammed shut behind it. A connector tunnel, which had already extended out towards the ship, held the cordite in place. He wasn't going to get out yet, though, as he held on to the controls and everything around him. If they were going to jump, which they probably were going to now space jump, standing up and walking around would only be a recipe for getting thrown around. And after all he had done, getting splattered against bay doors did not sound fun. There was a sudden kick of air as everything felt thrown back for a moment and then settled down, Bridge, did we jump or did we die, Lion? Jumped, sir. But we are still going to make severe moves as we go. I think at least one or two of the missiles were galactic jump missiles. Oh, great. The galactic government gave their best missiles to one of the planets that probably does not need them. What fun! He unbuckled himself from the seat and began moving towards the door and paused for a second, at it. a thought came to him that he didn't like. Tracker beacons were not all that hard to place, and so far there had been no warnings about sudden movement from the bridge that they were being followed, other than by potential missiles. But the groggy navy was never one to let things lie down. "'Lion, is there anything on your radar?' Nothing bad, why? Scan this pod and prepare to jettison it. They may be tracking us either via the shrapnel that they exploded onto it, or there is a tracker onto it put by the soldiers who knocked on our door. Commencing the scan now. Cordite stood still where he was since he didn't want to mess up the scan. Any little movements tended to throw things through a loop and made them take up more time. And it would only take but a few moments to complete, which went by easily. Clear, nothing showing up on our scanners. The door slid open and he stepped out into the tunnel heading to the safety lock. It opened as he continued to contemplate what to do. It was an expensive piece of equipment to just dump out into the vastness of space. As he came out, he saw the dock, looking at him rather concerned as he pulled off his helmet. A gauge tester in hand... Already pointed towards him, getting a short reading on any potential issues he might be having. Before you complain that you're healthy, I did warn you that those two were carrying deadly diseases across the galaxy. I'm only trying to be safe, and you do have medical history. You want to perform a whole battery of these tests, though? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, uh, Lion, prepare to be on the safe side and eject the pod towards the closest star. After that, set a new jump, if you will, please. Aye, Captain. The voice echoed down from the communications line to the bridge. He turned to Dr. Ma and signaled that she should lead the way. If we get rid of the pod, we will have to do a much more expensive landing. More expensive versus potentially tracked by a naval government. I think the choice is clear and easy one. Mott would shake her head in slight disagreement, as there was a loud hiss. The doors to the bay had opened, so they could turn and watch from the safety area as the pod ship was being released. The trip to the medical bay lasted a good while, with him locked away in one of the safety rooms. He lay on the bed and watched the pretty lights that went over him, scanning him repeatedly for things. The door would then hiss open, and finally let him out. Are we all good? On the viral disease front, yes, you are clean, but you are, once again, not healthy. Another couple of jumps and your body might call it quits. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be why I'm retiring. But not without that last big pail that put the crew at risk with this insanity and bet with Captain Zul. Death out in space is an admirable one for a pirate, isn't it? How many times have you run out risking your life in dangerous situations while boarding a ship, Mott. You've done this over and over again. I did it to keep people alive, and to keep aliens alive. Yet your own didn't matter in that moment. We will leave it at that. We both disagree on that. And I will soon be gone from your hair, since I said that the salvage job was to be my last. And so it will be. I am retired. He moved towards the door, exiting, and leaving Mott with her arms crossed unhappy with him. Hunger and thirst overtook Cordite before he got to the bridge of his ship. He stopped by the galley of the dining area and sat down. The cook Bruno had spotted him and began whipping up some food after a wordless nod to one another. Cordite's mind was busy trying to put together why this had happened. It made sense for a navy to be there, but uh, how quickly had they reacted and... What about the two that had escaped, and what had caused the ship's destruction in the first place? He'd heard asteroid strike, but uh, from what he could see on the screens, that didn't seem all that likely. He cursed himself for not bothering to ask questions to those two when he had the chance. His thoughts were soon interrupted by the sight of Lion's big shape lumbering up to him. Do you still want to head to the Jacobean port, sir? He took a moment to consider this and didn't like the idea, but uh, jumping through space to a new port also sounded bad. How far off is planet Victor by regular travel? Two weeks travel, we don't have the food supplies to get there. How long are our supplies going to last, The lion. Bruno perked up as he came over with a plate of some steamy food that was sort of beige and reddish. Not a great look, but it would get the nutrients one needed across to them we can go for about a week if we're near jacobean though there is the crashed asteroids they're still semi-used by everybody are they safe from the navy though uh, the Grogians? No idea. Most so we don't attack that area, since, uh, so destabilized. If a bomb flies in there, it, uh, would be hard to escape with no damage to your ship, even outside of the field of asteroids. Uh, you know, take down everybody and your own self's so just not worth it. Hmm, well, we can at least get some supplies there, then, potentially. I uh, it, course, for their lion. His second-in-command nodded and headed off as he got to eating this sloppy mess of a food. The hall leading to the voting chambers of the groggy in parliament were stupid. It was a grand hall with another plush carpet that went on and on. But the place was far too large for what it was, and its main purpose really was to give politicians a chance to discuss matters before they went into the chambers themselves to vote. But even then, it was far too long and it was just stupid. You had to keep walking and walking and walking. While it was nice, eh walking at some point yet boring, especially when you just wanted to go do your job. Vic was stomping his way, mutely across the floor, trying to shoot daggers at those who might approach him and start asking questions or asking for favors. It didn't stop the opposition leader, however, who never seemed to take the hint as she approached. Vic, it is interesting to see you here. There are no great fits going on that require your presence. Zelia, you brat. I am an elected official and must tend to all matters of this parliament whether I want to or not. There are no off days for me. Is that so? I've heard some things that would put that to question. The two were moving across the floor with a quick gated step. Any politicians who were around were quickly stepping aside to give them an easy path to the doors. You hear a lot and say little that would you hint as to where you want to take this conversation. What is it that you're after at this point? An agreement between our two parties for the betterment of our population, of course. Oh, a wildly needed law that should have been passed ages ago, but, uh, you know, party politics prevents things from going forward, since one party or another thinks it is a good idea. And you have some information, no doubt, that I would like to keep quiet in favor for backing you. They slowed a bit as they were now closer to the door, and a few extra moments would allow them to actually talk. The way of politics as we know it. The story I heard is that you've got your hands into a mercenary business, and um, very legal in nature, moving things behind scenes, so to speak, and with things not... Looking good for your party recently. Um, any more bad rumours as to what you're up to might... Might start an election call, maybe? What is this bill? The emancipation of the Groggy Empire from the Galactic Government. Everybody wants it here. He stopped as he considered this news. Such things had long been pursued by many factions, and it was certainly something he'd considered doing. But to do it now, to actually announce it, his machinations behind the scenes, well, they might want that, but uh, he wasn't supposed to say it out loud. How long do I get to consider this possibility? I hope for at least a few days. A day or two, at most, I'm willing to offer you. These choices need to be made quickly while there's still a chance of doing good for the greater good. Captain Drought stared out at the empty space his vessel was moving through. The radars and beacons were all lit up, showing that a ship should be in front of them. It was an endless void of nothing, though. Exo, our tracker beacon has appeared to have failed us. No, sir. It is right there on the radar. The problem is we couldn't hit the bigger ship with the same iodine substance as before. This is their pod ship, the one we got in the missile attack. Oh, they figured out what we were up to there, which is a failure then, Lieutenant Mould. There is nothing you can say that will alleviate that situation. What is the nearest port from here, planet or otherwise? There was a scurrying about as soldiers brought up maps and began looking through things. Wayfaring Station is the asteroid belt that operates as a stop for cargo ships. Not popular with pirates, though. I know of a planet Jacobin. Uh, It's not far away. It's also Rudded, but it doesn't like pirates, either. There's also the station Rudded, or planet. It's an asteroid, I don't remember. Uh, But they don't like pirates. Pirates, safe havens, please. Not places that they likely would not travel to. Well, they could take a chance on those, since they do have a legal license to salvage stuff, sir. Captain Drought fought off the urge to yell more throw things about. The only item he had at hand to throw was a spyglass, and that had been an expensive gift to him from the president. He wasn't about to get rid of that. He solemnly sat and shrank into his chair to think, where would pirates go? Likely a spot that his ship either could not follow or would not risk going to. What is the most dangerous port around here? Part or port, I don't care which. From the maps I've read, sir, there are three areas. First up is the crash asteroid area, said to still be alive but barely. The second is the star Ario, which, uh, sucks everything closer to it and kills it. And finally, the planet of Black, where nothing comes in or out of that place either. How far away are those things from one another? Although we jump into our away. it wouldn't be hard to check out the spot and see what there is. Excellent. And set the course for whatever planet is closest or first, sir. The black planet, yes, yes, that one, that one first. Cordite's flying concubine made its way with no great haste to the crash asteroid field. It had taken a few days of travel, but they got to the place where a multitude of pieces of rock sat floating about in this singular area. It stretched out as far as Cordite could see from the bridge the helmsman was moving the ship closer to the space, where a few big asteroids remained. It would be tricky getting them into this area without a few bumps, and they all held on as best they could. It might take a day of crawling through the massive chunks of rocks to get to the big last standing asteroid that held some life. There were others as well, a few places here and there, but this was a place that had a decent sized population of 75,000 living on it, and that managed to hold the rock together. It did not take all day to get to where they wanted. Some clear sailing and some of the rocks had been moved out of the way, and so the landing was a rather smooth affair with no big ups or downs. Once the ship had been locked into place, the entire crew of 12 from the Flying Concubine got off and were met by a few guards who were interested in looking over the wreck of a ship. Chordite went over to the one holding a clipboard, and this creature looked to be a thin green Q-tip of an alien. The domed space overseeing the area and captured most of the asteroid supplied a way for creatures to breathe for those that needed such things, and covered the entirety of the populated area. There were a few that could withstand space and its nothingness among his crew, but even they liked to be under these domes, since they provided good safety. We did not have plans for flying here, but uh, we have paperwork allowing us into port. Dr. Mott had come up beside him and produced actual papers, which were then taken with a look. What are you doing here? What were you doing out there in space? Uh, We were supposed to do a salvage job off a fresh ship. Uh, It was in the Eon area. However, we were chased off by the Grogian Navy. Why would they do that? Uh, The ship that crashed was apparently theirs? I don't know. I, I don't know details. We were merely had a job offer and went towards it. You know how space salvage works. First on site gets most of the goods and then is able to sell them off. And did they follow you here? This was not a question that Cordek wanted to be asked, since he couldn't give a clear answer. It was likely that, yes, the Navy would soon be searching around here, but he couldn't say that. I think any such answer would need to be taken up with a higher authority. Uh, Your boss. You want to talk to Francis, do you? That will be funny to see, but okay, I'll take you to him, as soon as we all see passports and papers. The doctor was quick to act again, trading the papers for a tablet that had all their information on it. Meep was deeply displeased with this, and there would be no rejection of any of them today. Very well, you follow me, as the rest of you are free to go. How about the asteroid? Please do not cause any trouble, or we will take your ship. Meep would lead Cordite to a nearby office building that had seen many better days. The space was a dirty one, and hadn't seen a cleaning worker in a while, but this didn't seem to bother the workers here. He was led up to an office upstairs on the second floor, and that took up a corner of the building. The room itself felt small in comparison to the building, since everything and the desk were jammed in here to provide not much space. Francis sat at his desk, moving papers about in his search for something, and glanced up as they entered. Meep, did you need something? Not me, this captain by the name of Cordite requested to talk to you. This humanoid alien known as Francis straightened out as he stood up. His eight-foot frame made him bump into the ceiling almost immediately as he tried to smile at them. Very well, you can go, Meep. The check-in officer looked at Cordite before making a curt nod to Francis and leaving. They waited a few moments before making sure he was gone. A familiar face that I haven't seen in a while suddenly shows up. The same could be said for you since your retirement from all forms of piracy, yet here you are in a spaceport known for piracy. One can only live that life for so long, and even when you do get away from it, you don't get away from it. If you're here, though, that means trouble is following you, and what have you done? I tried to salvage a ship that... Belonged to the groggy Navy, I guess? I wasn't aware that it was theirs when I set out, and I had a perfectly valid license to do so. They were set on the idea that I'm some sort of pirate. Francis snickered and sat down heavily on his chair. And you want me to do something about this? I can't do much about that, by the way. Well, you see, my retirement is coming up as well, and I figured we may as well have a send-off for my ship. Since I isn't needed anymore, I can set up the crew with something different once I have some money, but um, the old ship is, uh... It didn't take much to see that his spiel wasn't going over particularly well with his old friend. An unfortunate situation, if that meant he wasn't going to get any help. All he needed was the boat to be headed to the local salvage yard. Mm, But it would need to be done secretly, and his best bet would be have that happen through his friend here. Have you brought the navy towards us? There may potentially be a chance of that happening, yes, and to offset it, I want my ship to disappear to the yards, for less than it is worth to anyone and everyone. Easy money for everyone, you just gotta make it vanish. And I sell it to be salvaged for whatever I can get for it? Cordite nodded yes to this situation. Consider it. Think about it. I'll be at the nearest hotel until I can arrange passage out of here for any of my crew. You're just going to abandon the ships at the docks. Cordite had turned and was getting ready to walk out. He hadn't really gone far into the room and hadn't wanted to press his luck in the short, tight space. But he turned upon hearing this question. If no one offers to buy it, then sure, I'm just going to leave it. They can't fly around anymore because the groggy navy wants to blow it out of space. He offered a wave of his hand to his old associate and left the office. He made it as far as getting out of the office building before his crew was around him. He turned to walk down the road, leading further into town, but found he couldn't move much with the way they were around them. Let's go to the nearest bar. I don't think us talking about our situation. Out in the open is a good thing, okay? But are you planning on leaving? Yes, the crew is free to do as they wish from here on out. There will be no more work from that ship or from me. That was my last job. You're walking away. The plan was for one final haul of salvage and goods. It fell through and it got everyone in danger, so yeah, we're walking away. The Gwagins probably know me, but the rest of you might be able to sneak away to safety without much problems, maybe a few problems, maybe not. I leave that up to you, though. You are free to do as you wish. We can't leave you alone to face the music. It was a nice thought and made Cordette happy to hear that, that expressed. There are far too many dangers, though, to having them stick around and to drag them further into this mess. Well, it doesn't feel right. Thank you, Lion, but no. In fact, why doesn't the crew hit the town and the good bars? It's on me. He fished out a wad of bills and coins, and dropped it into Lion's hands. The crew didn't need much encouragement, and they soon carried Lion away with money in hand. A nice but plain interior of the closet hotel greeted Cordaid as he came into it. He took in the sight of people and workers, along with all sorts of aliens and technology that made up the place and gave it a somewhat cozy atmosphere. There were no familiar faces here, though. As he headed for the front desk, with a relieved sigh. How may I be a help to you today? I'm looking to have a room for the week. Top class, if you don't mind. Do you have a reason for wanting that room? It's a nice room, from what I've heard, and I like to splurge on myself from time to time. Is it taken? There were a few clicks on the keyboard, behind the stone desk, as the worker looked down at something. There was a brief interlude of quiet before they looked up. We require anyone who uses that room to pay in advance. No problem. He took out a card that had been among the junk from the escape pod that they'd stolen, and with a grin, he presented it to the clerk, who busily ran it through the appropriate machines. The rows and rows of seats and groggy and empire-elected officials that occupied those seats Bored Vic in this parliament building. They were all up to no good and barely ever paid attention to the matters before the legislature. It made it a pain to vote on any matter, though they did pay some attention during the votes, namely to make sure that their point of view was the one that they voted for. From his position up in the center of the room, he sat high above everyone else. All so that he could easily see what was going on, because for some reason, The government had decided that this was the thing to do. There was one thing he didn't like, and that was being so high up on an elevated platform above the rest of the legislature. Someone had once told him it was this way because he was supposed to be above it all and would only descend to vote. But apparently the descending never happened much anymore, as the platform was stuck up there. This was also one of the reasons why he rarely ever came here. Fools and idiots, the lot of them. His attention was distracted by his handheld computer, which was reading a report out to him. It said something, but he was sort of ignoring it. Though, he did say something about a charge card linked to the captain of the ship had been used. He knew for a fact that that captain was dead, since the groggy navy sent out the patrol vessels to find that missing ship, and found it blown to pieces. This news was interesting, since it was based out of the destroyed asteroid field, which was far away from the crash site. Sir? Yes, what is it? What do you want, Lieutenant? A folder was pushed in front of him, and he looked at it. A report from the captain of the fleet, and it was one who was supposed to be guarding that wrecked ship. What wonderful timing. Was the elevator ride up to me all right for you, Lieutenant? Tolerable, sir. It could be quicker and slower at the same time. I'm afraid my stomach is still at the bottom of the little ride. It would be good, though, if it were quicker. Or if I wasn't so high up. His guard shrugged as he looked over the file, held it and opened it, and checked over what it was that he needed to say. He wound up leering at the report of the finding of the damaged ship and that there were no survivors. This had proven to be true, and only a few pages later, to be told that... The princess and prince had actually survived. whereas the lead ship was going to chase after pirates who had given them back to them. Lieutenant, can you get me in contact with the Captain Drought's ship at once? I need to have a long chat with him. What shall I say to get him to talk to you, sir? The vice president is calling to know what the fuck is going on. That should do the damn trick. With his guard retreating away and head back down, Vic stared at the horrible sight of the legislature below. No doubt this little visit from his assistant would draw attention in eyes, which he was already seeing. And he did not like being the center of attention when it came to things that should remain hidden. Drought sat at his bed, blinking his eyes, trying to adjust from having slept in his quick time sleeping bed chamber. It always did a number on his head to deal with, with these, since it reportedly left everyone feeling zonked out and almost out of body when they exited the little pod. It didn't help that he'd been awoken earlier than anticipated, which of course added a layer that was now forming a headache at the top of his head. These machines hated to be interrupted when they were trying to make one sleep. Drought stared at the two figures who had come into his room as he sat up. One was the current comms officer on duty, the other the captain of the fighter attack ships his ship would deploy in a matter of minutes, should any attack be needed. Neither of them looked happy to be there. Our scan of the planet and area was clear, sir. So you needed to wake me up to say that, Captain Tree. I did not, but your officers here said he was coming in to report on some stuff. I figured it might not hurt to come in and top off my report on the things. Drought turned his bleary eyes towards the comms officer, who winced. I have two things to say. Oh, I'll start with the good news. Oh, we have a line on where the ship may have gone to. A charge card. Linked to the ship's captain. has been used on the destroyed asteroid area. Is that good, or bad, or what is it? You said two things, that was the good thing, so... What's the bad? The vice president has requested you take a call with him immediately. What about? The comms officer could only offer a terrible shrug of I don't know. He didn't say what, but I'm guessing it is about the two that were handed over to us, maybe? Potentially? Kind of? I've already forgotten about them. Um, does anyone know if they have supplied good intel on the pirates or what happened aboard our transport ship? His two officers returned rather blank stares to him, and Drought's mouth twisted in frustration that no one appeared to know anything. That was always the problem he ran into with both higher-ups and his subordinates. If they knew something, they could never tell him. And this was even if he had the rather obvious need to know about such situations. If you'd like, I can set up communications line right over there at your desk. Yes, do that, Calms. Uh, you're dismissed, Captain Tree, but uh, have your crew ready for a close-in mission, I think. We're headed for the destroyed asteroid area, and we might need small ships to get in and out. With a salute, the captain departed as drought rose from his bed pod. His comms officer already had the digitally projected image up on his desk, and was flicking through options. Once he had the right screen that he wanted, he turned to Drought, who made his way over to him. Hit the blue button and you'll be linked at once to your target. I know how it works, you dismissed officer. The captain waited until the officer was gone before he would hit the blue digitized button, and the door closed firmly. The projected screen image squirreled as his fingers pressed by and waited, and a waiting signal went through. Drought stood at rough attention, waiting to see the face of the man he may or may not have met before. He wasn't ready to admit whether he had or hadn't. The screen made a gentle-looking wave, and then, when they settled, showed Vice President Vic. "'Hello, sir.' "'Yes, hello and all of that. Listen, I have a problem that I need you to deal with at once.' "'What is it, sir?' Are you all alone? This is a classified secret operation that needs to be kept quiet. I mean, no one can now, other than the few that I've cleared myself. So I repeat, are you alone? Drought felt himself tensing up. Yes, of course I am. What do you need, sir? The two passengers you had exchanged and brought aboard. They need to be brought safely to port immediately. I'm in the middle of hunting pirates. You couldn't tell one of the other ships? I moved them over to another ship for the return trip home. I figured what was going to be ordered um, once the guarding mission was done. They haven't departed yet, I don't think. The vice president seemed to look rather angry with the way his face came closer to the screen. Drought could now only see the man's mouth. Do not lie to me. I already know all that is going on. I will have someone else hunt those fucking parrots, as you call them. Your orders are clear. Return home at once. The vice president waited for a moment, for a response. But Drought was so unsettled by the sight of the mouth that he couldn't think of one, and the line went dead after a moment because Vic ended the communications call. All the cap could do was shake his head. They had the crew responsible in their sights, trying to pass themselves off as good people for returning to royals. They were pirates, and there was no way he was going to let them simply get by on whatever it is they managed to call themselves. He was not going to have that at all. Bridge! A screen popped up, appearing to show that he was connected to the bridge and can talk to the officer in charge. Continue on to the yet destroyed asteroid field. Prepare a team with Captain Tree and his men. This needs to be done fast. We need in and out. Faster than you can ever say yes sir, no sir. Aye sir, we are preparing to jump to that area now. Please hold on. The lion had managed after some time to get away from his crewmates and headed straight to the den's barn. It was a seedy place and one that he knew rather well. One didn't come to this sort of place, a type of place, a worn-down one, where few drank unless you had a reason. A lion walked past the bar headed for the back, with a wave of his hand to the bartender who barely looked up. There in the booth that occupied near the back of the room, he came to a stop in front of it. A woman sat in the middle of it, with two burly-looking guards who acknowledged him on either side. "'You have a report, I take it?' Captain Cordite is using himself as bait, since the Grogian Navy has decided they want our ship. What is the problem with that, Mr. Lyon? They're coming here to do that job. It will be a mess if they find them. She leaned across the table, flashing her cat-like eyes and appearance at him as she showed her face in the dim light. Are you inviting me to kill some naval people because I owe you? I want to protect Cordite. If that means some death and destruction comes here, then so be it. Well, I might do it. I'll get back to you in a couple of hours if I decide to do it. The whole thing won't be cheap, by the way. Lyon merely nodded and tossed a loose bag onto the table. He then turned and left as one of the guards beside the lady opened it up. A few glittery coins slipped out. End of book one, part two of Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure. Thank you for listening.